Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. So glad to have you with us. Since 2008, Britney Spears has been living under a conservatorship controlled by a team primarily led by her father, Jamie Spears. The conservatorship controls her finances, her career, and as we found out in detail when she spoke out in court for the first time on June 23rd, it controls her personal life, her relationships, even her body. I wanted to talk more in depth with someone who's been following and writing about the Britney Spears case and the cultural implications going forward. How the case and the Free Britney movement has started major discussions on reforming conservatorships, disability rights, and much more. Constance Grady is a culture writer at Vox.com, and recently she wrote a series of great articles called The Purity Chronicles, where she examines the bubblegum misogyny of the late 90s and 2000s in popular culture. Constance, thank you so much for being with us again on the show. I'm so glad to have you back. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So I thought we'd start a bit for the listeners with an update on the Britney Spears case to date since her court appearance on June 23rd, which I'm sure everyone has read and heard about. But where are we today? What is sort of the legal status of everything? Well, since Britney's appearance before the court on June 23rd, probably the biggest thing that's happened is that on July 14th, the court has finally ruled that she would be able to retain her own lawyer. So when the conservatorship was first put in place, Brittany tried to hire her own attorney, but the court found that she was not legally competent to choose her own lawyer. They appointed one for her. And this has been a big thing in the Free Brittany movement because Brittany has been compelled to pay the court-appointed lawyer a stipend for as long as he, as the conservatorship has gone on. So you know, he didn't really have a huge incentive to try to end the conservatorship. As long as it kept going, he had a salary. That was a pretty great setup for him. And she's paying everyone. Yes, she's also paying her father and everyone else who uh, who manages the conservatorship. Um, but now for the first time, she has been able to retain her own attorney. Um, she hired the former federal prosecutor, Matthew Rosengart. Um, And Rosengart has called on Jamie Spears to voluntarily step down from the conservatorship, which so far has not happened. Do you see that happening? Um, I think it's possible that it might happen as public pressure continues to mount on Jamie Spears to step down. But at the same time, he has been in this place for a long time um, and it seems to be a pretty good situation for him. Um, I think that it's most likely that he does not step down until a judge tells him to or until the conservatorship ends. Um, Is this 
what she wants, does she want to end the whole conservatorship? Do we know what her sort of final motive of, or outcome that she would like is? Brittany has said very clearly that she wants the conservatorship to end, and specifically she wants it to end without having to go through another psychiatric evaluation. Uh, she has said that she does not trust psychiatrists um, and that she's had a number of really bad experiences with the psychiatrists appointed to her by the court or chosen by her dad. Um, as sort of an intermediary step, she has also expressed that she wants her dad specifically to be taken off the conservatorship. She has said that she is afraid of him um, and that he is controlling and that he takes pleasure in the amount of control that he has over her in ways that she seems very discomfited by. Yeah, we've we've known about this conservatorship for what is it now, 13 years. But mm-hmm. but these things there, I mean, there were so many really horrible situations she's put in that were quite surprising. What surprised you most about the conservatorship that we hadn't really known? I think what we found out from Brittany's testimony that was really most shocking to me and a lot of people is that she has an IUD that she is not allowed to remove, which is just a basic violation of reproductive freedom and of her ability to control her own body. Um, We've known, it's been rumored for a long time that Brittany wants to get married again and have more kids and that her conservators won't let her. But I don't think anyone knew that that control extended to medical apparatuses in her body that she does not get to choose whether they're there or not. She's worked this entire time Mm -hmm. from what I know, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, she's had an incredibly hardworking um, Las Vegas residency. She's been on television, on TV shows. I mean, she obviously doesn't seem so incapable during these 13 years that she can't make money for this whole yeah world. yeah that has also been um an a talking point for the free britney movement that um seems more compelling than ever lately is that just two months after she was first put under emergency conservatorship she was guest starring on a sitcom um and so the question was at the time you know if she if this conservatorship is about protecting her mental health and making sure that she is safe and well cared for why are we putting her to work immediately why is she not taking a break and getting some rest and the treatment that she needs it's part of what has come to seem like a desire on her conservators part to maximize her ability to make money rather than her mental health Um, and that's been borne out by some of the reporting that's come out Uh, Over the past few months, Um, there was a New York Times expose and also a New Yorker article, um, which revealed some fairly disturbing things, um, some of her father's behavior specifically. I think the New Yorker article describes him shortly after Britney's been put under conservatorship and they're all back home from the hospital. And he reportedly turns to her and says, baby, you're fat. But don't worry, daddy's going to hire a trainer and get you on a diet and you're going to get back out there. It's just this sense that it's all about preserving her sort of Barbie doll public image. She's compared it to sex trafficking. Yeah, she said that she doesn't get to have her passport or other or keys um, and is forced to work seven days a week with very limited breaks. Why do you think that it's taken 13 years for these details to come out? So I think that, first of all, Brittany's access to the press has been very tightly 
controlled. Any reporter who wanted to talk to her would have to go through the conservators and have to make agreements, you know, not to talk about the conservatorship. Um, And Britney's social media posts go through a company that posts them for her, and they are also not allowed to reference the conservatorship. Um, But I think besides that, there was kind of a willful choice from from the public, and I think I would include myself in this, to kind of not want to think that it was a bad thing. I think when Britney was going through her very hard time in 2007, very publicly, there was the sense that like, oh, we've seen this story before with former child stars where they just sort of spiral out of control and have a horrible downfall. And it's so awful to watch, but we're all kind of fascinated by it and keep watching it. Um, and particularly women, right? I mean, you've reported on many um, your- similar things with Amanda Bynes and Lindsay Lohan. Um, and I mean, even Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. and women, you know, in, in public eye before and, you know, examples like Diana and things like that, where you've sort of been watching someone feel really horribly in public. Exactly. And I think there's this sense that, you know, hey, Britney's family is actually stepping up and they're going to take charge of her. And it's about time that someone did something for this poor girl. So there is this kind of desire for her to this desire to believe that she had gotten back to normal. Um, And when she was working so much uh, and seemed to be doing so with so much success, there was a sense of like, oh, okay, it's working. You know, these are the guardrails she needed. She needed some structure in her life and now she has it. And we know because she is continuing to produce more product. There was the sense that if Britney is making money, then Britney is okay. And I think it is becoming more and more clear now that those are two separate questions and it is okay for Brittany to not be working and not be making money. And in fact, that might be better for her. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. I've, I've read that most likely she was suffering for postpartum depression in, in 2007. That most of this was because she couldn't get access to her children, which seems like something that m- most people would be terrified and feel terribly about. Yeah, yeah, that is what a lot of people who are around her at the time say now is that they believe she was suffering from postpartum and all of the sort of famous Britney paparazzi moments that people remember from that time where, you know, she beat a paparazzo's car with an umbrella and she shaved off her all her hair were immediately preceded by her driving to her ex-husband Kevin Federline's house to pick up her kids, tailed by paparazzi the whole way and being denied access to them. Um, And then sort of spiraling from there. And it doesn't necessarily seem like the focus of the conservatorship has been on helping her deal with that. You mentioned the free Britney movement Mm. of Houston. Let's talk a little bit about that, what, how they play a part in this. Yeah. So the free Britney movement um, has been kind of lurking around the internet since the conservatorship began. Um, Just people, Britney fans who kind of have their doubts about the conservatorship, but it really takes off in April, 2019. 
Um, there's this podcast called Britney's Gram, which is just two comedians talking about Britney's Instagram and how sort of joyful and fun it is. Um, and they get a voicemail from someone who is claiming to be a paralegal at the law firm that administers Britney's conservatorship. Um, I should say that the two hosts of Britney's Graham checked him out and they thought he was reputable. No other journalist has been able to confirm his identity, but a lot of his claims have now been borne out. Um, what he mm-hmm. says is that Britney is being essentially held captive by her family and that she was committed against her will to a mental institution in 2019 um, and that she did not want to keep performing but was kind of being forced into it. Um, And we now know that she was, in fact, committed against her will. Um, Brittany says that it was because she did not want to perform a particular dance step in uh, her planned new residency and that at that point, her conservators switched her medication and put her on lithium and then put her into an institution in what she interpreted as kind of a punishment. But I mean, is this free Britney movement? Is it organized? It is very organized. They, there is a whole infrastructure set up. They run protests um, outside of the courthouse every time there is a hearing in her case. Um, and there is also a lot of energy behind them toward going towards reforming the conservatorship system in general, um, which is something that reform advocates I've spoken to have kind of been hoping for with the Britney case. They've sort of seen it as an ambassador um, that a lot of people can look at and say, okay, it seems like this system has some big issues. Like it's very easy to get into a conservatorship and not that easy to get out of them. And the potential for abuse is high and it doesn't seem like there's great oversight. Um, So actually a few months ago, House Republicans uh, introduced a bill to Congress trying to reform conservatorships and it's kind of gotten a lot of bipartisan support so free britney is the movement the whole country is getting behind that's pretty incredible i mean that's something that hasn't been looked into i mean we've heard a lot about especially i guess in celebrity cases about conservatorships uh, mostly with people of mm-hmm. old age yeah yeah it's kind of an interesting uh area because you can both get very libertarian and small government about it. And also it's a disability rights issue. So it's something that both the left and the right can get really up in arms about. One of the things about in the beginning of the Free Britney movement was before all this really came to light was that there was, you know, they were looking at her Instagram Mm -hmm. and seeing, asking her to wear something. If you're wearing something yellow, that's a cry for help. And there was all these things. And I was looking a little bit at her Instagram now ahead of our talk. And and there was a post um, where she talks about that she was locked in for a few hours in her bathroom and and had to get help. And then I was just looking at the comments and there's a lot of people who are saying, oh, this is just a metaphor. Mm-hmm. This means something about the conservatorship. Talk a little bit about her Instagram mm-hmm. and, and how they're relating to it. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, Brittany's Graham said about her Instagram early on that I think still really holds is either we have no idea what she's talking about or we know exactly what she's talking about, right? Brittany's Instagram always has very like surface level clear meanings that are like dancing is fun and I like being in Hawaii and I got this cute bikini and that's all very straightforward and right there. Um, And then like sometimes she'll throw in a Nietzsche quote out of nowhere and you're just like, wow, did not see that coming, Britney Spears. Okay. Um, the, The doorpost is so, it's very much in that tradition. It's 
this weird kind of like suspenseful short story about how she accidentally got locked in her bathroom and was stuck there with nothing but like her day old coffee waiting for someone to let her out and like calling for help. And then finally it happened. Um, And the top comment on the post is like Miley Cyrus going, they finally freed Britney. Um, I think there's a strong desire from a lot of Britney fans to read into anything she writes a secret message because there's a strong desire on the part of all fans to see that in everything that their favorite puts out. Um, I think with Brittany, especially because our access to her has been so circumscribed for so long, there's a special desire to read coded messages into everything. And that's one of the reasons I think that her court testimony made such an impact is for so long, we have not been able to find out what Brittany was thinking about the conservatorship. And now we know, and she's been very clear about it. She said that her, her Instagram, that it had to be filtered through someone for many, many mm-hmm. years. Do you think it's still being filtered post June 23rd? It does or? seem to be the case that it is still going through her, this company. Um, I think one of them spoke to the New Yorker and said that they, most of what she posts, just, they just put it up. Um, and I think they said something like, I wouldn't want to put up these weird posts of her kind of looking blank eyed and sad. That's not good for the brand of just doing it because she says so. Um, but legally, she is still not able to post about the conservatorship very much. So she kind of references it obliquely. Right. I mean, because she's been pretty um, straightforward in things about her sister and her family now the past this Yeah, yeah, there's definitely been an opening of the doors a little bit, uh, as as she put it herself. Let's talk a little bit about what this case means in in the cultural landscape, so to speak. I was referencing your um, series of articles and talking about um, the 90s and the 2000s mm. and, and what we, uh, to include all of us in the media, sort of did to girls and women then. Talk a little bit about what you um, have found out in your examination. I mean, that was such a bizarre period where, you know, it was... There was this idea that we were post-feminist and that if you were still complaining about sexism, then you were just kind of spoiled and needed to shut up and everything was girl power and great. Um, There was also this idea that it was a raunch culture was a big thing. You know, with Britney especially, there were so many images of her midriff looking so taut and toned and her six pack abs. Um, and it was really, it was really important, I think, for, for most girls to be expected to be sexy in this specific way. Um, and then it was also in the middle of this moral panic about teenagers having sex. And there was this sort of Bush era expectation that everyone had to be pure and virginal. Um, and yeah, I remember the purity yeah, rings that yeah. all the celebrities had to wear if they were dating each other. Exactly. And then there was that thing where like Jordan Sparks, I think, says, if you're not wearing a purity ring, you're a slut, basically. It was just this situation where, you know, there was no right way to be a girl. There were only different ways to fail. Um, and I think Brittany really fell into that a lot. She was very sexy and she did tell everyone that she was a virgin. And that just meant that people got obsessed with her virginity and grown men would ask her on television if she was still a virgin and would not believe her um, either way, basically. It was 
it was just a nightmare scenario for her and for all of the girls who were watching and taking in that there was no way to succeed and that anything they did would just end up in failure. Do you think that that she'll finally get agency over her career and her life and her image? I mean, I think that's what we're all hoping for. Um, And it certainly seems that public pressure is continuing to mount. And that is probably the thing that is going to make it most likely that she'll get out of this conservatorship and get to have control over herself again. I think one thing about this case that just makes me really sad is because she has been under this conservatorship for so long and because she lived such a strange life even before then, there are going to be basic life skills that she just has never had the opportunity to learn before. And when she gets out of the conservatorship, it seems likely to me that that is going to hurt her in a number of ways. I think she should have the freedom to be able to deal with those things and figure them out. But I think it's possible that it's going to be really, really hard for her. Um, One of those articles mentioned that uh, she didn't know how to use Google and Paris Hilton had to teach her how in like 2004 or something after Google was really widespread. I think basic little things like that are going to be really, really tricky for her. Um, And I hope that she is able to find ways to deal with it. But that is what her family has done to her. And that's what all of us have done to her. Yeah, because you feel like, I mean, it's not like the media attention is going to be less oh, no. um, going forward, irregardless of what happens in her case, which is exactly sort of what happened in, you know, the early 2000s mm-hmm. um, to begin with. So that balance is going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talked in her testimony about getting shot by paparazzi, like as she's coming out of her therapist's office on a regular basis. Um, so it's it's still going on and it will continue to go on. And in terms of celebrity culture, um, maybe specifically for women, I mean, this is a big question, but what do you think this all means? Will there be any good changes that come out of this? I think that over the past decade, we've really been talking a lot about the what we have the right to expect from women in the public eye and what the appropriate ways to talk about them are. I think since the height of Britney's career, there have been some changes. So when I was researching her case, I found um, this ABC News article from 2007 after her kind of infamous VMAs performance. And it's just like them quoting a series of publicists calling her fat. And then at the end, they quote this random internet commenter who's like, but I'd still hit it. And I don't think anyone would publish that article today. That would just not happen. Um, But because of social media, now you kind of don't need that article to be published. You can just go into the comments of Britney's Instagram. It's already there. And just say like, well, I think you're fat, but I'd still hit it. You know, it's it's become more diffuse, essentially. We've... We have outs you we no longer need to outsource our trash talking of celebrities to the media. Um, And I think that's an issue that we are still really grappling with how to deal with. Um, And I don't know if we've found good solutions for it yet. Finally, 
where are we in the trial? What's happening next? Is it sort of a pause now or? or... So on July 26th, um, Britney Spears's new lawyer, Matthew Rosengart, did file a petition to remove Jamie Spears from the conservatorship as sort of that intermediate step towards getting the conservatorship gone for good. She mostly seems to want her dad out of the picture immediately. Um, and since then, there have also been documents filed by Jody Montgomery, who has been on Britney's care team for a while. Um, Britney specifically called her out in her testimony as someone who she felt was becoming too controlling as well. She said, yes, even Jody, um, but she has for a long time seemed to feel that Jody is at least a good alternative to her dad. Um, and the papers that Jody Montgomery have filed. Um, seem to suggest that she is also supporting the removal of Jamie Spears from the conservatorship. So at this point, it seems like she is putting things in motion and trying to get some forward progress made. Um, and the court has said that it plans to investigate the claim she made in her testimony on June 23rd. So we are just waiting for results from that as well. Any ideas to how long? I mean, could it be months or? Um, I don't think we have a great timeline on that yet, but it definitely could be months. These cases move very slowly. And her mother has also um, submitted to the court that she thinks her ex-husband, Jamie Spears, should be removed, right? Yeah, Lynn Spears has been very vocal about her sense that Jamie should be removed. Um, she's been kind of on the, the free Britney side of things for a while now. Constance, thank you so much for this. And I really um, want to encourage my listeners to read your article series, which is really great, and to follow you, your work because it really is enlightening on all these subjects, especially in women in the media. So thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much to Constance Grady. You can follow her on Twitter at Constance Grady and at Vox.com to read her articles. And thank you so much for listening to Pop Culture Confidential. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.